Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Good morning. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. And we get to look at the readings for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord. And the last couple gospel lessons, the emphasis has been on this witnessing, this connection, this sending, this gathering. And we really get to see that this is the setup to understand who Jesus is and why he has come. And we need to make sure that we understand this and that we're not just paying lip service that we're the church and, well, we're, we're talking about Jesus. We're, we're doing good church things. We're, we're a busy church. We're actually showing people who Jesus is, and he's the Messiah. He's the Redeemer. And when we think about this, we get this immediate question that has to be answered. Why do I need a Redeemer? Why do I need a Messiah? Am I really that bad? And again, that question is really easy too because it's, oh, well, of course, I'm not perfect. But then how serious do we take our imperfection, our sinfulness, our rebellion, our actual willful acts to act against God's law, God's will, God's commands, God's demands? Well, if you're anything like me, we really do actually pay lip service. I am a poor, miserable sinner, and I confess my sins. I'm sorry. And we do that because, well, it's the thing we're supposed to say, and we know that we're wrong. But it's just that. I'm wrong. My bad. I'll just move on. I'll try harder next time. Maybe I won't be as bad. Maybe I won't go uh, as far in whatever pet sin or, you know, whatever. And this is so hard because I don't doubt for a moment that you are plagued by your sin because you understand the, the depths of your sin. But then it's, I can't get over it. I can't be better. I can't slough off my sinful desires. I, I can't stop sinning. What good is it? Then you have the flip side of that, and this is uh, called uh, cheap grace, and it's a whole idea, oh, I'm a sinner. Oh, it's horrible. I'm imperfect. I, I do not have the righteousness of God. I continue to just mess up. Woe is me. Oh, Jesus loves me. Everything's okay. I'm happy-go-lucky. I'm going to move on with my life. And again, now we are not actually having the gospel. We're not holding on to that gift. We're just using it as a license to sin. We're using it as a get-out-of-hell-for-free card. When we lose the fullness of what is given to us in Jesus, this is to be a transformative act and a transformative life. It is actually the struggle against sin. 
and knowing that in Christ you are saved, you are redeemed. The Messiah, the Christ has come so that as you struggle with sin on this side of heaven, as you battle temptation, the flesh, the world, so on and so forth, you get to know that it has already, your salvation has already been won. And in that, you get to face your sin, even your death, with the boldness of Christ our champion, Christ our ruler, our king. And this is what the Beatitudes, St. Matthew chapter 5, the gospel lesson for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany, really lays out for us. It puts us in our place. So this is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And we see, we hear, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. And that statement right there, and he opened his mouth. When Jesus speaks, it is always for the benefit. It is always for a teaching moment. And this isn't that he's going to drop some knowledge nuggets on you and, you know, you need to take a notes. This knowledge, this teaching, again, is for this transformative life. And transformative is, is a buzzword that's being thrown around here. This is the idea that simply you are something different in Christ. You are constantly being made holy. You are constantly being made forgiven. You are constantly being made alive. That means something in you is changing because of an outside force. And of course, that outside force is God himself in Christ through the Holy Ghost to reveal and give you the fullness of his gifts. And so he opens his mouth and he delivers the goods of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we'll go on for five or six more blessings. And these are the Beatitudes, the blessings. And one of the things that always happens in this, and I'm guilty of this myself, I look at this and I start measuring my works, measuring my worth, measuring my acts, measuring my thoughts. Do I do this? Am I poor in spirit? Am I mournful? Am I truly meek? And I go to sometime to, to great lengths to justify how I'm poor in spirit or how I'm mourning. And when I start having to have to explain even to myself how I fit into this, especially this, this pure in heart, I really see how far I am away from the perfection God demands. And then this blessedness that Jesus is talking about, how is this given to me if I'm really not pure in heart, if I'm not really that merciful, or I don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, or I, I do sometimes, but maybe I'm busy, maybe I'm just having fun, maybe I'm lost in the TV show and I'm not really thinking about God's righteousness given to me in Christ. 
what about then? Am I lost? Am I, am I not keeping the first things first so I've lost all things? And the short answer is actually yes. If you don't keep the first thing first, you do lose everything. But here is the crux of all of this. I can't do this. This blessedness does not come because I am poor in spirit. I'm a peacemaker. I am fully persecuted, all these things. I am blessed because that's actually who Jesus is. Jesus comes to us poor in spirit. He comes to us mournful, knowing full well who and what he is the Lamb of God, who comes to be the all-availing sacrifice. This morning is the lament of your sin, my sin, that's placed upon him. The meekness, and the king of all creation has come, and he's born in a barn. He is a carpenter's son. He's just the average Jewish carpenter. He hungers and thirsts. For righteousness, we hear that he throws tables and the money collectors out of the church because he thirsts and hungers for the righteousness to be delivered in God's house to and for you. He hungers and thirsts for the righteousness that is placed upon you. And then we have merciful, pure in heart, peacemaker. And these are the things that he truly, fully completes on your behalf. And he does this because we can't. And what's amazing about this is he does all this work and he does it perfectly. He does it perfectly as the substitute of, for us, the things that we should be doing, the things in the Garden of Eden that we delighted in doing. And he does this. All of humanity is condensed into the man, Jesus Christ, who is true God and fulfills the demands of law, fully completing all that is needed for salvation, truly bringing peace to and for us. And so, again, we see these Beatitudes and we see this list and we start measuring and we start looking and Where am I in this? And then we need to quickly run to the mercy of Christ. We need to run to his work because we have been fulfilled in him. We get to say, those are my works in Christ Jesus, for he has redeemed me. He has made me alive. He has pronounced me forgiven and his. The blessedness of his work is the blessedness of my work because we are connected. Now, this does not mean that now we have the licensure to then do as we please. We have the freedom to live out our fleshly desires. This means that we conform the cruciformed life to the blessings and the life of Christ. And here again, we get this transformative life. Our life is now molded into the work of what God does in Christ. We are the body of Christ, not to flail about doing what we want, but doing what the body does, living and caring for itself, ever building, ever growing, ever strengthening, because this is what we do. 
And there is such great joy in this, because now this becomes discipleship. Now this becomes evangelism. Now this becomes living out your faith wherever you are and whatever you're doing. This isn't a checklist. This isn't a memorized script. This is you being who you are as a baptized member of Christ. And we need to remember this because it's hard. I mean, even St. Paul talks about the cross being folly to those who are perishing. That's the unbelieving world. And in our baptismal rite, we hear that we are separated from the multitude of unbelievers. And unfortunate, and I throw myself into this quickly, we're like Israel in the wilderness when God says, do not join yourself to the heathens, to the unbelievers, to all the other people. What do we do? Ooh, that's shiny. That looks new. Let's do that. And we always want what we don't have. Or what's worse is we always want what we're told not to want. And we will continue to struggle with that. Because to us, the cross, the ones who are being saved by it, is the power of God. And it looks so weak. It looks so simple. Can the fullness of God really save a sinner like me? Does God really love me that much? Does God really know the depths of my sin, my struggles, my heart? Why do bad things keep happening? Why do I keep messing up? If he really loves me, where is the goodness in this life? And these are questions that we will always, always struggle with. And it's hard because the understanding and the ways of God are truly beyond our comprehension. Now, this doesn't mean that we, we don't know what he wants, he wants the goodness. He wants the salvation for all people. That is why Christ has come to us. But sin, corruption, pain, hurt, and even death still comes. And we need to put this all in perspective. Jesus has already conquered all of these. None of them will separate you from the love of God, which is found in him. And it is that promise that actually sees us through the heartaches, the horrific acts that are indescribable, that take place on a daily basis, the things that we will never understand on this side of heaven. Yes, Jesus has already taken care of that. Jesus has already given you all that you need for salvation. And again, this changes our perspective. And it's hard because we can we usually only see the problems, the hurt, the things that are right in front of us. We have forever taken care of. And think of that. If your forever is taken care of, what is this truly momentary hurt, this momentary pain? It may seem like a long time. And even if you live to be the oldest person, what is that compared to forever? What is that compared to being in the presence of God, basking in his love, his grace, his mercy, his fullness forever and ever 
and ever. Well, it's quickly and truly easy to say, well, it's not comparable. I mean, St. Paul mentions that I cannot fathom the glories of heaven compared to the momentary sufferings. And again, putting that in perspective, the, the drop of pain, the drop of life, the drop of frustration into the ocean, how quickly that is lost. This is not to say or to minimize that your hurts, that your pains, that your problems aren't real, that they don't hurt, they don't frustrate, they don't cause all these heartaches. It is the realization that God will see you through them and even through death. This is what the Beatitudes lay out, again, pointing us to something outside of us. And again, that outside of us is Jesus. But what's great about that is he comes inside of us. He unites himself to be a part of us so that we get to be a part of him. And we have the joy of being able, because we have the great high priest, Jesus Christ, praying for us, standing in our place, giving us the opportunity, giving us the great place before God as forgiven, as alive, as his people. And we get to take advantage of this. And to take advantage of this means simply to trust that it is not my works, but it's his work. It's not my life, but his life. And let those very things be the things I do, the things you do, the things we participate in. And this fundamentally changes our perspective, our worldview, our outlook, the way we deal with our husband, our wife, our children, our parents, our teachers, our boss, our employers, our employees, the person that cuts you off in traffic. All of this changes because we see God's love in and through all that we participate in. And this isn't that now we're happy-go-lucky and we're bubbly and we see the silver lining on every cloud. No, we actually get to be very realistic in all of this. We get to call a spade a spade. This is not right. This is not good. This problem, this death, this heartache is the pain of this life. Thanks be to God that Jesus has come, has been revealed, and has blessed me with life everlasting, and has promised the strengthening of faith to see me through all things. Yes, even in my weakness, he will hold me. One of the most frustrating things that uh, St. Paul has ever written was when he talks about the thorn in his flesh, whatever that was. And he says, three times I prayed to God to have this flesh removed. And St. Paul, as you know, has had these miraculous events happen to him. He intimately knows God is there to care for him. And what does God say? No. I will not remove this thorn in your flesh. For when you are weak, I am made strong, and my grace is sufficient. And again, you hear the power of God, and we should be in awe. But my flesh, my want is, God, just take care of it. 
just zap me into the good place. Just take away all the pain, all the hurt, all the harm. Just, just give me all your good stuff. And he says, no, my grace is sufficient to see you through all of this. My mercy, my love is the thing, is the place that will take care of you from this life to the next. And that is a huge statement because it's not us, it's him. And then we need to trust that he will see us through it. I don't know how, but he has promised and we will hold on to it because he has made us made us his blessed people, blessing us with his love, his mercy, and most of all, his life forevermore. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.